Welcome to Painting the Midnight Oil Podcast with your host, Dan Oils. So the last few weeks I've taken this podcast in a little bit of a different direction. I've talked a little bit about some very important and personal experiences that I've had that have led me to believe that the universe is a very mysterious place. And even though it's kind of drifted off course a little bit, it's still been very important because I've also connected it back to my journey as someone who is pursuing becoming a full-time artist. But I'll admit, I mean, these are very personal stories. And, you know, after the last episode, I was kind of thinking, you know, is this the right direction? Is this appropriate? And I was driving to Ocean City, which is a, uh, a top destination here in Maryland. Eight million visitors visit Ocean City, Maryland every single year. And my family and I are driving down to Ocean City, and I'm just like having this inner dialogue about whether this is the right direction or not. And at some point in time, when we were on 70, I-70 East, I see a license plate on the car in front of me, and it has my full name almost. It's my first name and my middle name. And my middle name is very, maybe not obscure, but it's a very uncommon name. And this license plate had my first name and my middle name, and it was the name of a dealership which I have never heard of in my entire life. And it caught my eye, and I didn't really think much of it. And then my wife goes, did you see that license plate? And I was like, well, which one? She said, the one that has your first and middle name on it. I was like, yeah, I did. And she was like, that's pretty wild. It's like a sign. I'm like, a sign for what? And she's like, I don't know. You know maybe uh, you're headed in the right direction. And so I was like, yeah, maybe. So that kind of gave me some peace of mind thinking that, you know what, you know, maybe, maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe this is important to share these types of stories, uh, not only how they are intertwined with this journey, but just these stories in general, that maybe people do need to hear them. Um, and so I'm going to spend at least one more episode, this episode, continuing that theme that the universe is a very mysterious place. And I think it's important to kind of think about that sometimes, our relationship with the universe. Who are we? What is our purpose? Um, we should ask ourselves those questions frequently. And we should use those questions uh, to live very meaningful lives and to take risks and use our experience here on Earth as an adventure and as an opportunity to learn and grow and uplift other people and ensure that the next generation is in a better position than we had it. So last Friday I was in here recording the last episode and I try to stick to that schedule as much as possible so I can be consistent with these uh, podcast episode deliveries so you know when to expect them. So I either tried to record them on Friday night or Saturday morning. I wasn't able to stick to that schedule this past weekend because, as I mentioned, I was at Ocean City with my family. But last Friday, I recorded the episode, 
I'm still feeling a little nervous about it because it's a very personal story and I shut down my enclosed trailer slash art studio slash podcast studio for the evening. I go back inside and my wife is watching a movie. So I go sit down next to her and she's watching Star Wars. Now, a big joke growing up is, you know, with my friends was that I never saw any movies growing up and that's not too far from the truth. Now, we didn't have cable, so we didn't have access to a lot of movies. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s and so we had to really rely on Blockbuster and all these other uh, video stores in order to access movies and we are always playing outside and, and playing baseball and just by nature it takes a lot for me to sit down and, and watch a movie so I never really watched a lot of movies growing up and so that includes some classics and yes that includes Star Wars uh, I've only seen one and that was the very first one that was released and my wife and I <clears throat> my wife and I made a point to see it together because both of us are behind the curve on that and so my wife, she's been trying to do a better job of getting caught up with the series because her siblings are huge Star Wars fans. And my wife and I just, we are way behind on that. And so my wife was watching Phantom Menace. And so I'm sitting down and I'm really getting into this movie because it's talking a lot about the Force. And I'm realizing as I'm listening to this film and I'm listening about the force that everything that I've been basically talking about for these past few episodes in particular but I've alluded to it a little bit over the course of this entire podcast what I'm basically referencing is the force and I'd never even fully realized that and so I'm like completely invested because I'm seeing so many parallels between the force and Star Wars and what I have been describing using personal experiences so, I'm sure that most of you are not like me, and you've seen the uh, Star Wars, and you know exactly what the Force is, and you may have made that connection on your own. But just in case, I'm going to briefly go over what the Force is. All right now, um, this is from StarWars.com, I believe. Uh, it says the Force. The Force is a mysterious energy field created by life that binds the galaxy together. Harnessing the power of the Force gives the Jedi, the Sith, and others sensitive to this spiritual energy extraordinary abilities, such as levitating objects, tricking minds, and seeing things before they happen. While the Force can grant users powerful abilities, it also directs their actions, and it has a will of its own, which both scholars and mystics have spread millennia seeking to understand all right now I also wanted to share some really powerful quotes from the Phantom Menace that really resonated with me all right so um, one of them says quote but Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future and the response is not at the expense of the moment and that's something that resonated with me because I've talked a lot about that. Just our inability as humans, I think most of us, our inability to stay in the present moment. And that's one reason why art and painting in particular has always uh, drawn me in. And it's really attracted me because when I'm painting, I'm staying in the moment. And there 
really isn't any other activity that I've ever engaged in that allows me to stay in the present moment um, as much as painting does. And that's one reason why I'm so drawn to it. It's one reason why it's such an attractive hobby for me. Well, I wouldn't even say it's a hobby. It's <laughs> it's an obsession, really. Um, another one that really resonated that I want to share is fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Um, that's pretty self-explanatory. And the last one that really captured what I have been talking about throughout this podcast. I've said this in so many different ways without saying it exactly how it was stated in The Phantom Menace. And this is by far the best way that I could ever articulate it. And I wish I said it using these words. I did not. But this captures everything that I believe in a lot of um, what I've shared with you using my own personal experiences. And it's, quote, your focus determines your reality. And I absolutely believe that. I believe that, first of all, our thoughts and our words and our actions have inherent power. But when you are focused on something, you are constantly thinking about it. And you're constantly looking for solutions or you're constantly looking for connections or you're constantly looking for inspiration. And I wish I had this study in front of me, but there is, well, first of all, there's multiple studies that support this. But uh, if you have never studied the power of your subconscious mind, I highly encourage you to do that. And um, I wasn't expecting to go down this specific route but one of the most important books that I've ever read is uh, it deals with that and I believe it's called The Power of the Subconscious Mind and give me one second yeah so it is t called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy and one of my favorite books of all time but there's also a study that says that, um, I forget the name of the study, it's a pretty common, commonly referenced study, and actually the Law of Attraction podcast that I used to listen to that inspired me to start my own podcast referenced this same exact study, a study that I was already familiar with. Um, but it's essentially, they use like red cars, for example. So if you're looking for red cars, you're going to notice a lot more red cars than you ordinarily would notice if you're thinking about something else. And so when you're focused on something else, they just, you become more aware of them. Uh, you become more cognizant of if it's that object or that idea, whatever it is. Um, and so what you think about all the time, you're going to attract to you. You're going to focus all of your attention. It's become, it will become more and more a part of your reality, uh, whether it's through your actions whether it's through just circumstances that you find yourself in the middle of. Um, it's just a quote that really captures a lot of what I personally believe um, and a lot of what has been corroborated by other researchers. So I'm thinking about all these quotes and I'm thinking about just all these connections between the Force and Star Wars and my podcast and how I literally walked out of this podcast talking about this same idea. I walk inside of my house and it's basically being articulated 
uh, to me um, through the, the movie that just happened to be on. And so I thought that was pretty wild. So the very next day, I take my kids to the pool. And as my kids are playing, um, part of my time is spent continuing to read the last lecture. And I referenced the last lecture a lot in the last podcast. So at that point in time, I was just getting started. I wasn't really through the entire book yet. And if you haven't listened to the last episode, some of these connections aren't going to resonate with you as well. If you have listened to the last episode, you're going to understand why they captured my attention so fully. So Randy Posh is the author of The Last Lecture, and I go into great detail about this book. Um, But essentially, as I'm reading through this book, I'm starting to notice some really uncanny uh, coincidences between Dr. Posh and myself. And again, this is immediately after I published the last episode. And again, if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend that you do that. And if you have listened to it, then this is going to blow your mind. All right, so I'm continuing to read, and it turns out that Dr. Posh had a premature son, just like I did. And his son was two pounds when he was born, just like my son was two pounds when he was born. And as I mentioned in the last episode, uh, the surgeon that saved my life Dr. Judson Randolph, I go into great detail about him and his impact on me and how he has inspired me. It turns out that Dr. Posh was called, of all names, Randolph by his mom. It was a name that he personally despised. He never liked it when his mom called him Randolph, but that was the name that his mom called him. So it was just absolutely incredible, these coincidences that I'm reading. And again, it's just kind of reinforcing this idea that the universe is a very mysterious place. And so I'm continuing to read um, that night because I wasn't able to make that much progress at the pool because I was playing in the pool with them. I was watching them, but I was reading on occasion, mostly during Adult Swim. Um, And there is a chapter that I come across. The name of the chapter is Training a Jedi, which I thought was very appropriate. And I'm going to read some of that chapter to you um, because this goes in line with what I was talking about yesterday, about the importance of setting goals for yourself and continuing to chase after those childhood dreams that you set when you're a kid. And again, as I mentioned last episode, Dr. Posh goes over all the different childhood dreams that he had set when he was a kid. And a lot of them just seem absolutely impossible, but he achieved all of them. And so this is in line with that. And this is another tale that I'm going to share with you that I hope you find inspiring. And I hope that you use this story to chase after your own dreams. And it just, again, proves that the universe is a very mysterious place. All right. Training a Jedi on page 117 of the last lecture by Dr. Randy Posh. It's a thrill to fulfill your own childhood dreams, but as you get older, you may find that enabling the dreams of others is even more fun. When I was teaching at the University of Virginia in 1993, a 22-year-old artist turned computer graphics whiz named Tommy Burnett 
wanted a job on the research team. After we talked about his life and goals, he suddenly said, Oh, and I have always had this childhood dream. Anyone who uses childhood and dream in the same sentence usually gets my attention. And what is your dream, Tommy? I asked. I want to work on the next Star Wars film, he said. Remember, this was in 1993. The last Star Wars movie had been made in 1983, and there were no concrete plans to make any more. I explained this. That's a tough dream to have because it's, it'll be hard to see it through, I told him. Word is that they're finishing making Star Wars films. No, he said. They're going to make more. And when they do, I'm going to work on them. That's my plan. Tommy was six years old when the first Star Wars came out in 1977. Other kids wanted to be Han Solo, he told me. Not me. I wanted to be the guy who made the special effects. The spaceships, the planets, the robots. He told me that as a boy. He read the most technical Star Wars articles he could find. He had all the books that explained how the models were built and how the special effects were achieved. End quote. All right, so I'm going to skip over a few paragraphs, and then I'm going to continue on page 119, the second paragraph. Quote, when I moved on to Carnegie Mellon, every member of my team from the University of Virginia came with me, everyone except Tommy. He couldn't make the move. Why? Because he had been hired by producer-slash-director George Lucas's company, Industrial Light and Magic. And it's worth noting that they didn't hire him for his dream, they hired him for his skills. In his time with our research group, he had become an outstanding programmer in the Python language, which, as luck would have it, was the language of choice in their shop. Luck is indeed where preparation meets opportunity. It's not hard to guess where the story is going. Three new Star Wars films will be made in 1999, 2002, and 2005, and Tommy would end up working on all of them. On Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones, Tommy was a lead technical director. There was an incredible 15-minute battle scene on a rocky red planet, pitting clones against droids, and Tommy was the guy who planned it all out. He and his team used photos of the Utah desert to create a virtual landscape for the battle. Talk about cool jobs. Tommy had one that let him spend each day on another planet. A few years later, he was gracious enough to welcome me and my students on a visit to Industrial Light and Magic. My colleague Don Marinelli had started an awesome tradition of taking students on a trip out west every year so they could check out entertainment and high-tech companies that might give them a start in the world of computer graphics. By then, a guy like Tommy was a guide to these students. He was living their dreams. End quote. So I wanted to end this podcast with one last story, and it's one of the most personal stories that I have, one of the most impactful experiences of my entire life. And you'll start to understand as I'm telling this story and as this story has concluded why I think about these types of questions and why I have obsessed with the universe and what it is and what it's capable of. This is a story that I haven't really told too many people, but I've decided to tell you because I just feel like it's the right thing to do. 
in 2000, I was 16 years old. And I had just purchased a Chevy Blazer. 1989 Chevy Blazer to be exact. And my dad was real cool. He had this deal where he said, look, whatever you raise by yourself, by working hard, I will match. And I was very fortunate that I had a dad that gave me that sort of deal and had the resources to match whatever I was able to save. And so, as I mentioned before, I used to work for my dad's construction company started when I was like 13 years old. And I was basically a manual laborer. And over time, as I aged, I started to operate his heavy equipment. And I had saved up $2,000. And so he matched that $2,000. And I had $4,000 to purchase a 1989 Chevy Blazer. And it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing, but I loved that body style. I loved having a blazer. And uh, it was perfect for me. It was great. Ended up saving some money. And because the paint job wasn't the best, and because it had, you know, some, a little bit of rust, I saved up enough money. I, I think it was like 500 bucks. And I took it up here to Frederick, actually, where there was a Mako. I don't know if they still exist. But I had, a, uh, I had my blazer painted white. And I had tinted windows. So it looked pretty cool. So fast forward a couple years, or a year. I think I'm 17, maybe 18 years old. And I'm driving this white blazer with tinted windows. And, you know, I wanted to do something more. I wanted to kind of elevate the look of my blazer a little bit more. So I kept on working, kept on working, saved up some money. And I purchased a chrome bumper and a chrome grill for my blazer. All right. Now, the bumper arrives. And my dad was really wondering, like, what is in that box? You know, what, what did you order? And I said, well, it's a, it's a chrome bumper. And he's like stopped in his tracks. He goes, you ordered a chrome bumper? And I was like, yeah. I was like, it's my money. He was like, don't you know that's bad luck? I was like, it's bad luck. And at that point in time, you could tell that he didn't want to tell me that he kind of caught himself. But he told me anyways. And he was like, yeah. When you install a chrome bumper on cars, they typically get in accidents. You never heard that? I was like, no, I've never heard that. He's like, well, I spent a lot of money on this chrome bumper. I spent a lot of money on this chrome grill. And I'm going to get it installed because it looks good. And I don't believe what you're saying, basically. So I take it to the shop in Rockville. Pick up my car, pick up my Chevy Blazer. Looks great. All right. Chrome grill is in, chrome bumper's in, and it's looking sharp. So I get in, I start driving, and as I am pressing my foot on the brake at the entrance to the garage where my car was being worked on, and as I'm getting ready to merge onto another street, I realize that my seatbelt is catching for the first time ever. And it was something that I like had always kind of thought about. Like I, I feel like my seatbelt should be catching, but I was just an ignorant teenager and I never really pursued the functionality of my seatbelt. I probably shouldn't admit this, but when you're growing up, you know, seatbelts weren't really that big of a deal in our family. They, we never really wore seatbelts. And so I used to always wear them when I was driving my blazer, but 
I never really understood, I guess, that they're all supposed to catch at certain points. So for the first time ever, when I was driving my blazer, I realized that my seatbelt was catching for the very first time. And I was like, why is it catching now when I took my blazer in purely for cosmetic reasons, purely to improve the aesthetic of my blazer? All I was getting installed was the chrome bumper and the chrome grill. There wasn't anything related to the operation or the functionality or the mechanics of my blazer. There shouldn't have been any reason why my blazer should have been test driven. But clearly at some point, my blazer was test driven. They realized that my seatbelt wasn't working properly, I'm assuming, and somehow fixed the seatbelt. So later that summer, I'm returning from a job up in, uh, is it Hyattsville or Hyattstown? I always get it confused. But basically, uh, halfway between where I was living and where I live now. And there's like this massive property, uh, actually pretty close to where Sugarloaf Mountain is. And there's this massive multi-million dollar uh, property where my dad was working. And it was Friday night, or sorry, Friday afternoon, just got off work. And I'm driving home, I'm going like 75 miles an hour in the left-hand lane down 270, which is a major artery or major thoroughfare or highway that basically connects DC to Frederick County. And I'm 17, 18 years old. It's Friday afternoon. I'm off work. I just got paid. I'm driving home to do what some teenagers do when they're 17, 18 years old and it's summertime and they have money in their pocket. And so I'm excited. So I'm driving my car down the left-hand lane and you know sometimes I'm listening to music and I'm daydreaming just like I'm sure you've done a million times in your life and all of a sudden I envision in my mind's eye a white Chevy Blazer driving down a highway and this is from the perspective of the car directly behind the Blazer I see a white Chevy Blazer in my mind's eye driving down the highway and all of a sudden the Blazer shifts suddenly like 45 degrees and barrels into the Jersey wall. And I'm thinking to myself, man, that was weird. And as soon as I had that thought, that was weird. A loud pop, like explosion erupts. And my left rear tire explodes. And everything that I saw in my mind's eye a few seconds before happened exactly as I saw it. So my left rear tire explodes. My blazer turns suddenly about 45 degrees. And I drive straight into the Jersey wall. I hit so hard that it spins me around and I smash into, I guess that would be the rear right side of my blazer and I rest on the shoulder. So I had crossed lane of traffic, 
um, I think at that point there's two lane there's three lanes at that point most of it is two lanes but at that point there's three lanes this, it was right before Father Hurley uh, Boulevard I'm sorry the sign for Father Hurley there's like a it's, it goes like slowly uphill and there's a Father Hurley Boulevard sign and it was right at that junction right as it starts to incline I somehow crossed over two lanes of traffic without hitting any cars I hit the wall almost dead on at at that point probably 60 miles an hour if I had to guess I spin around again smash the other side of my car and the only injury to me is a little rash on my left side caused by my seatbelt. Now, as you can imagine, that experience has influenced me heavily as far as my perspective of the world and what is possible and how the universe is a very mysterious place. And for some of you, you probably will hear that story and you've probably already written me off as someone that you can't trust. That's possible. That's a pretty outlandish story. And you, you don't know me personally, probably. But I'm telling you, it happened exactly as I told you. And I'm sharing that story because, again, I want you to think about your relationship with the universe and what that means to you. And I want you to think about if you've had any experiences that are really difficult to explain. Now, why is that important? Why is that a vital exercise? Because I'm hoping that you will find inspiration in that story. And I'm hoping that it will encourage you uh, and give you confidence to explore this world, explore your capabilities, explore possibility in all of its forms. And it's one of those reasons why I explore the way that I do. And it's the reason why I take so many risks. And it is the reason why I've always been searching for um, a purpose that I'm supposed to fulfill because that is the second opportunity that I was very close with my own my own death and it didn't I was I was saved from it and so you know when you when you leave that scene and when you're you're sitting there and you're like why why did I have that premonition you know why did I go through this experience what does this experience mean to me and what am I supposed to do and so because of those questions, this led me to do different things. And, and some of it has worked out and some of it hasn't. It's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. It's one of the reasons why I was like, you know what? I just have to go out and do it. And I don't know if it's going to work out, but I feel compelled to do this. And when I sat down today, I felt compelled to tell the story. Because honestly, I feel like if I tell these stories... Um, the universe will reward me. And 
I'm not looking for rewards, but I think that it's important as someone that has been the recipient of such a powerful experience, I think it's my obligation to share that experience. I think that um, by doing that, we can have honest and open conversations about the world that we occupy. And we can start to explain, I'm sorry, we can start to consult one another and ask questions and have conversations and get to a better understanding of how powerful this universe is and what forces are at play and how we can use these forces to improve our lives. Thanks for listening to the Painting the Midnight Oil podcast. Come back soon.